Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Keep your hands going, keep your hands going. It's been better to you than that, church. Make some noise. Hey, as you're seated, let's welcome everyone that is joining us online this morning. Hey, we are so thankful for you, and we want to welcome you today. Hey, my name is Luke. I have the honor of serving as one of the pastors here at Mount Zion. Hey, if you're visiting with us this morning, you're not just our visitor, man. You're our welcomed guest. I mean, we're doing this for you, so we want to say this, welcome home, all right? Hey, over the last several weeks, We have been in this series that we're calling The Heart of Jesus, and we began the series by looking at the reality that Jesus is for you, no matter what, no matter where. And because Jesus is for you, no matter what, no matter where, we are for you too. But because he is for you, we have to understand what that means. And there are things that exist in each and every one of our lives that that he is for. But then there are things that exist that, that he's against. So although he's always for you, there's behaviors, sin patterns, habitual just kind of manifestations that we kind of pursue in our life. And the reason he is against those is because those are obstacles and deterrents that keep us from experiencing the freedom The freedom that only comes through a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. Freedom from what? From guilt, from shame, and from condemnation. In other words, Christ didn't come simply to live his life here on earth, death, burial, and resurrection so that we could spend eternity with him. He came so that we could also experience the freedom that comes with everyday living. Apart from past mistakes and regrets, we could actually experience freedom here and now. So this morning, before we jump into some things that keep us from experiencing that freedom, I'm gonna ask that you would just bow your head and uh, pray with me. Hey, Father, we come this morning with a heartfelt desire to be transformed by you. And Father, we know that you have met us here. We know that as believers in Christ Jesus, we have the promise of the Spirit of God living in us through the working of the Holy Spirit. But Father, we also know that it is our responsibility to step into this place with expectant hearts. So Father, we pray now that where we are, you will give us ears to hear. And for everybody within the sound of my voice, Would you just pray that now? God, would you give me ears so that I can hear those things that you would have me know and do? And Father, we also pray that you will grant us eyes to see the opportunities that exist in our lives so that we can advance the kingdom of God in our here and now. So where you're sitting or where you're listening, would you pray that? God, would you just give me eyes to see? And now I ask that you pray for me, Father, that you will give me the authority and the power to speak your truth. Father, that you will 
speak through my vocal cords and that you will think through my mind. And Father, we pray that when we leave this place that we are more like you. That's our heart's desire. That's why we come here today. So it is in your strong, sufficient name we pray. And all God's people say, amen, amen. There are some things that will keep us from experiencing the promise of freedom that is offered to each and every one of us. And this season of this global pandemic, there has never been a season more polarizing that it has served as a, as a magnifying glass, if you will, over this issue that I'm wanting to discuss today. And what I'm wanting to talk about today is the epidemic that is plaguing our society of loneliness. Harvard Medical found that two out of five American adults feel lonely right now. A survey center of American life found that friendship among Americans have drastically decreased over the past three decades. So this isn't something that is just happening now in light of the pandemic. This is something that has plagued us for decades. They also discovered that 15% of men admit to having no close friendship groups apart from their immediate and nuclear family. Social psychologists define loneliness as the gap between the social connection you actually have and those that you actually feel that you should experience. According to 2018, a report by Henry J. Kaiser Foundation, they discovered that 22% of adults in the U.S. admit to feeling always or often lonely or socially isolated. A national 2019 survey led by Cigna Health, discovered that 61% of adolescents admit to feeling lonely. Now, that's a problem, and that's concerning. And all of those surveys were conducted prior to us walking through a global pandemic in which we were prescribed isolation. So this reality has only grown over the last year and a half, and the manifestation of the results have only grown as well. But not only is this plaguing us mentally and socially, but it is also plaguing us physically. You see, the Journal of Medicine shows that those with strong social support systems, they are four times more likely to fight off illness and common colds. Brigham Young University highlighted the fact that among isolated people, mortality from loneliness, it equals to smoking about 15 cigarettes a day or being an alcoholic. And the effects of isolation and loneliness actually exceed that of obesity. Poor social relationships were associated with a 29% increase for heart disease and a 32% increase for risk or for stroke risk. In other words, people who have bad habits but strong social ties actually live longer than people with good habits and weak social ties. So all of these findings 
And all of the statistics, if we boil it down, what does it mean for our here and our now and our everyday? I would say this, that it is healthier to eat soft serve ice cream in community than it is to eat broccoli by yourself, all right? So save the emails. I have data on my side, all right? So get some friend groups and go eat some ice cream. Mark chapter two, beginning in verse one, if you have your Bibles, says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered to Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. The question I want us to wrestle with and that I want to ask you directly is do you have friends in your life? Have you invited people around you? Do you have a community that has gathered beside you that is willing to rip the roof off in order to get you closer to Jesus? You see, there was an old saying when I was a kid that my parents would always say that would always leave me rolling my eyes. And it was this, show me your friends and I'll show you your, your future. But what we know to be true, according to scripture, is the people that we surround ourselves will, with will determine where we end up in life. The people that we invite around us will ultimately dictate and determine where you end up in life. And Jesus is for community, but it, it goes beyond community. You see, social media and reality TV has created a delusion of community, a false community, a mirage, where we can tell you and, and you know this to be true because I freak some of you out because you'll come through the door and I'll say, oh, somebody just had a birthday or how was you know, the beach or how was Florida? And you're like, how does he know that? That's so, and it's because of social media, right? So it gives us the feeling and the delusion that we are actually a part of what is happening outside of us. So we're content temporarily but we do not have, even though the knowledge exists, we don't have the accountability, we don't have the empathy, we don't have the relationships, we don't have the experience that only comes through authentic community. So Jesus asked the question of you and I this morning, who are you inviting into your inner circle and are those individuals, are they willing to absolutely rip the roof off, remove any obstacle, break down any barrier 
in order to get you closer to Jesus. Because this is what I know. 41 years of experience will tell me this, that the people in your life, they will either bring you closer to Jesus or they will carry you further away from Jesus. And we all know this to be true. So the question that you and I have to ask or the people that we call friends, that we call our community, when you are around them, do they inspire you, encourage you to be more like Jesus? Or do they not? Are you more like Jesus around them than apart from them? And Jesus says that if we're going to step into the life that he has for us, if we are going to experience the freedom that only comes through Christ Jesus, it matters who we invite around us. Every week, I have people that come in and they have a hard time articulating what they're trying to say, but through the end of the conversation, I will say something like, it sounds to me, if we boiled all this down, what you're saying to me is that you are wanting to become more like Christ. You're wanting to discover what your next step is. And my advice for them is always the same. You wanna become more like Jesus? Get around people who are more like Jesus. If you wanna be like Jesus, surround yourself with people who live and who love and who lead like Jesus. But there's something that will deter us from this, that will keep us from experiencing godly community and the promises and the plans that come through that. There are two deals on the table, if you will. And each and every one of us has to choose one of those deals. Either we can choose godly community, and it is a step that you have to take. Luke can't choose it for you. God can't force it upon you. You have to choose to step into that promise, to claim it. But for many of us, we choose deal number two, and that is isolation. And when we are isolated, that is where loneliness Regret, despair, loneliness is the battlefield that hope goes to die upon. You see, isolation, it is an invitation for each and every one of us, and we have to, to refuse it. And in a season that culture has actually prescribed it, we have to now turn from isolation and we have to move towards interaction. We have to choose to interact again, to engage again, to be purposeful and intentional about the relationships that we invite into our lives because when life falls apart, 
and you get hit in the mouth with circumstances or situations or a condition that you would not choose, who are the individuals that are going to pick up your mat and carry you to Christ? So we have to move away from isolation and we have to move towards interaction because we flourish when we are connected to each other, but we fall apart when we are isolated and when we are not connected. And God, he actually models this for us. In Genesis chapter one, verse 26, God says this, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. You see, from the very beginning of time, God modeled and illustrated the significance and the importance of community. Let us, speaking of Father, Son, and and Holy Spirit, let, let us make in our Father, Son, Holy Spirit the very model and example and reality of Christian community. Jacqueline Olds says this in her book, America is in the midst of a loneliness epidemic and the isolation is undermining our health. Our seeming obsession with the most intimate of details of strangers' lives as evidenced by the exponential rise of reality shows is another manifestation of our isolation. When you lack a circle of people that you know well, talking and gossiping about strangers is a way to fill the gap. In other words, if over Memorial Day or Independence Day, you talked about what it was like to spend time with the Kardashians or who the bachelorette or bachelor, whatever round we're in now, who they're dating and who your top pick is, then that is a false community that has created the illusion of engagement. And Jacqueline Olds is saying that it will always lead to isolation. It will always lead to despair. You see, isolation has to move towards interaction. And if it doesn't, then isolation will ultimately lead to independence. Now, we just celebrated independence, and independence, it's great in and of itself. But in regard to Christian community, and spiritual discipline, and Christ's best for us. Independence, it's a distraction, it's an obstacle, it's a roadblock from experiencing God's best for our lives. What does independence look like? I'm fine, I'm okay, I can handle this. I don't need your help, everything is good. I don't need to call them I don't need to check in. I don't need to answer the phone. I don't need to be honest because I'm independent. And this is tough because as a dad, one of my goals is to to raise independent children. 
I don't want Ava or Ella or Myla at the age of 43 to be living in our basement asking for lunch and gas money. I want them to be contributing members of society. I want to help them know and live out God-honoring plans and promises for their lives. I want them to understand the treasure that God has blessed them with, the talents that God has called them to steward, the time that is such a precious gift that God has asked to invest. So I want to create independent children. But independence in our lives, when it is not God-honoring, it will often lead to pride, and when pride begins to set in in our lives, an entitlement becomes predominant, a predominant motivator. Then Andy Stanley says this, he says, people usually drift away from their community of faith before they drift away from their faith. When we believe that we have all of our proverbial ducks in a row, and that no matter what comes, no matter what may, we can handle it, it's in our control. We're smart enough, we're gifted enough, we're wise enough, then pride takes root. And pride always comes before a massive fall. So dependence, it has to progress to interdependence meaning that we have to gravitate towards accountability, towards knowing and being known. And that only comes through authentic community. And in authentic community, transparency is always predominant. On a Sunday morning, the best sermon that you hear preached may not, probably won't come from this platform most likely, it'll come from sitting out in the lobby. When you lean into someone, you say, can I be honest? I just, my kids, I, I love them, but sometimes I just want to strangle them. And someone leans in and says, you too? I thought it was just me. I thought I'd lost my mind. Yes, yeah, you know, and for you to say, listen, I am just really struggling with my job and wondering if it's God's best for me. And I just, I go home every day and I'm just depleted and I am trashed for my family. And for someone to lean in to say, hey, I was exactly where you are a year ago. And God revealed himself in a beautiful, redemptive way. And this is, this is the steps that I took or over a cup of coffee for you to lean in and say, hey, I went to the doctor this week and the news isn't good. And for someone to say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna take care of dinner for you tonight and right now, can I just pray for you? You see, being dependent upon other people not a bad thing. Admitting our weaknesses, our flaws, our fears, admitting that we have struggles and brokenness, that we have temptation, 
it is, it is actually something that is very, very healthy. Within the confinement and boundaries of healthy Christian community. Many of you have heard the name uh, Reggie Jackson, and most of us are familiar with him playing for the, for the Yankees, but later in his career, he played for the Orioles. And Reggie, Reggie Jackson, he had a huge ego, and he was a great ball player. And when he played for the Orioles, he played for a manager called Earl Weaver. And Earl Weaver, he had the motto that like, you guys are professionals, so you play ball, and I'm gonna manage egos, because that's my responsibility. So he had one rule though, and that's you can't steal a base without getting the sign, without getting the signal. And Reggie Jackson, the first time he was up to the plate in an Orioles uniform, he got on first base, and he knew that he could outrun the catcher's throw. So without receiving the signal, he, he stole second base. And Reggie Jackson, he stood up and he brushed the dirt off of his uniform and he glared at Earl Weaver in this way of saying, you underestimated me. I knew I could do it. You didn't believe in my talent. After the game, Earl was talking to Reggie and he said, let me tell you why I didn't give you the signal. He said, right after you was Lee May. And Lee May, he is our strongest hitter on the roster right now. But after Lee May, he is a batter. He's had no success with this particular pitcher. So when you stole second, you left first open, which caused them to intentionally walk Lee May. And because the batter after Lee May had no success with the pitcher, I had to come off the bench a pinch batter, which I knew if we went into extra innings would put me in a precarious and bad situation, which happened. And Reggie, I believe we lost the game because you stole second base. Do you see the difference? Reggie May, he, I mean, Reggie Jackson, he, he wanted to steal a base. He wanted to build his resume where Earl Weaver, he, he wanted to win a ball game. And so many times what keeps us from being transparent or vulnerable or honest is that we don't want people to see the flaws or the brokenness in ourselves. You see, we're far more consumed with building our own resume than we are about advancing the gospel, advancing the kingdom of God here on earth. And the moment we begin that process of killing the pride that exists in our lives, that is the moment that we can experience the promises and the fruit and the joy and the healing that takes place in Christian community. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 10 is a verse that we oftentimes hear in weddings. And it says that two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone, they are in real trouble. And then verse 12 is the essential key to successful accountability and community. Verse 12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. But three 
are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. What Solomon is, is telling us in this moment is that two, I mean, that's, that's great. Two is essential. Two is important. But when you invite God into that relationship, something amazing happens. Something really special happens. Because two is better than one. But three, three is always better than two. And when you invite God into our relationship, one with the other, then transparency and freedom and grace and empathy and mercy can all take place. Because only God can forgive you of your sins. And God will never heal what you are unwilling to reveal. But if you want to be healed, then you have to confess your sins to one another. And we quote often, James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful, wonderful results. But what we oftentimes don't read is the precursor to that verse. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you, are committed, if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Are any of you suffering hardships? If so, you should pray. Are any of you happy? If so, you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? If so, you should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the same name of the Lord. What James, the brother of Jesus, is saying is that healing and forgiveness happens best in community, but it only comes through confession of sin, and it also only comes through praise and through repentance. 1 Corinthians tells us, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, says, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and in the hardships and the persecution and all the troubles that I suffer for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he is strong. And Hebrews 10 tells us, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. For us as believers in Christ, I believe that the season and the path that lies ahead is one of great difficulty. And I'm not saying that to scare you, or to put fear in you, or to create an emotional moment here. I'm just saying that to say that who we surround ourselves with and invite into our worlds, it matters. But it is your responsibility to take your next step. So this week, like many weeks, I had people that wanted to get connected, so I asked Clint, I said, Clint, I got people that, that they're wanting to serve. What do, I, what do I tell them? He said, tell them to go to the website. I said, where do they go on the website? He said, go to Next Steps. And I said, cool. What were they? He said, under the Next Steps page, Tell them to click on, I want to serve. And I said, we got a I want to serve button. He said, yeah, 
And I said, what happens? He says, if they click on the I want to serve button, we will get them a place to serve. And I said, that's awesome. Listen, I'm fairly informed here. You know, I'm fairly fairly involved here in this organization. I was like, that's awesome. And I said, well, I also got people, they want to get into discipleship. What do I tell them? He said, tell them to go to the next steps page. And I said, all right, I'm taking notes. Tell them to click on join a class, a group, or a study. And I said, what happens? He said, if they click on that, we will get them involved in a class, a group, or a study. And I said, that's awesome. But here's the deal. It is your responsibility. You have to go to our website and go to Next Steps, the the portion of the page, and there click either place to serve, to invest your time, and to invest your talent. Or get involved in a group, a class, or a study. If you click on that and fill that information out, I promise you we will get in contact with you and we will find a place of service and a place of discipleship. But I saw some of you this morning, you pulled up, you had the candles burning, you were in a horse and a buggy, you hate technology, I get it. So what about those people who are my analog folks? I asked Clint, what do you do for people that don't like technology? He said, there's cards every week right in front of them. They'll take those cards and they'll fill it out and they'll turn it into the offering plate. We will contact them and we'll find them a place to serve where they can invest and be invested in Christian community. Or we will find a place of discipleship where they can grow in their likeness to Christ. But here's the deal. I can't do it for you. God can't do it for you. You have to be willing to take your next step to avoid isolation to engage, and to become not so independent and to become more dependent on community and others. So wherever you are this morning, what is God calling you to as your next step? Will you be faithful in the promises of God? Will you take that step of faith this morning to engage in Christian community, to invite people around you who love Jesus and becoming more like him so that they can journey alongside you. You see, my desire as your pastor is to help you step into the life that God has for you. And I love you enough to tell you that that cannot happen apart from others gathering around you. Would you bow your heads? Father, we love you and we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. So Father, as we, as we consider our next steps, so that we can step into the life that you have for us. May we not allow distractions or excuses to hinder us, but instead may we be faithful and obedient, Lord. And Father, we will make sure that you receive all the glory. It is in your name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. Would you stand to your feet as we close in worship together? Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.